Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast with me, Ian Luke-Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community and today's guest is a fantastically funny Michael Ananins. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and many more podcast providers. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and help get our name out there. Now it's time to go off script and find out Michael's true story about making stuff up. So please welcome to the podcast. It's this week's guest, Michael. Welcome, Michael. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, it's great to have you here. Such a great improviser, uh, known on the scene for being very funny. Uh, well, thank you for that. <laughs> So we'll dig into that a little bit later, find out uh, where you get your funny inspiration from. Uh, but first of all, let's talk about Liverpool Comedy Improv and how yeah. you got involved in Liverpool Comedy Improv. Well, basically, I was um, on Facebook, as usual, <laughs> and I saw the advert for it. I saw it a few times, and then I sent a message to Emma Baird saying, um, oh, I, I'd like to come, but I'm too scared. And she sent me a lovely message back saying how everybody was supportive and so and so. Um, so I did it. I bit the bullet, got in my car, and I went down there. And how long ago was that? I think... I'm no good at this. I think <laughs> it's, I've been improvising for just over the year. Okay, so... Yeah. Liverpool Comedy Improv was your first uh, sort of step into the improvising world? Into this one. I, I'd done some improvising um, many years ago, but it was different. Um, we, it would be, we created a play. So before the scene started, I would know what my character was, what my objectives were, and then we could fill in around it. Okay. Um, so it, it was very informed. It wasn't like this, where like off the back wall, where you would just step forward with nothing at yeah. all, you know, <laughs> which I find very exciting. I love that, in fact. Yeah, uh, lots of people do, and lots of people find it really scary. Yeah, that's why I like it. <laughs> On my first night um, um, in the Pilgrim with, with, um, with Emma, I was on the back wall, but I was too um, scared to step forward. And she pulled me forward into a scene. And oh. she went, you want a cup of tea, love? And I went, uh, <laughs> yes. And, want a biscuit? And I went, yes. And that was my entire contribution to the scene. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, it's got better since then. So how have you adapted to it moving online over the last year? I didn't like it at the start. I felt I was just in, in, in my house. And even now, I feel as though when we do it live, I would use my stage presence right? and I would use my physicality more than we do. But having said that, that's the, the, the negative side. The positive side is playing with people all over the world. Yeah. Being able to call on someone and say, hey, do you want to do it? Then 10 minute improv to brilliance. Absolutely fantastic. And we can watch people that are really good at them. And we can watch it over and over. When I come back from the live shows with Emma, the live workshops, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would go on um, Google 
and I, I, I try and find some improv, you know, and I couldn't find any. Sometimes you get somebody's filmed the show from the back of the auditorium, right. so it's really poor quality. And now it's all over the internet. You, you can learn just by watching other people, like 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 Jay Suku. Yeah, I, I think it's it's crazy how it's exploded just online, yeah. and it's become this great global community. Mm. And such a positive community as well. Yeah, and it's and, and such a varied community. So many different countries, so many different nationalities, which I love myself. My father was an immigrant. Right. In fact, he was an illegal immigrant, technically. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he um he had a job for the British Army in Germany at, at the end of the war as a translator, and he used that pass to get on the boat to come back to England. Oh wow. I think it was after 10 years he got nationalised. I remember the Home Office coming around to the house in suits, these two men, and saying, you are now British. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, story. yeah, I, I love that aspect of, of the online. I think it, it will go on forever, the online. It, once we get back to normal, it won't stop. It will always be there for us online. Yeah, I, I think people love playing this way, and people... I think people really enjoy the accessibility of classes with improvisers yeah. that they would just never get to take classes with. You'd never get to know that they existed otherwise. Yeah. Without without it being online. And you mentioned the the ten minute scenes. Mm. That's that's a weird sort of mid form improv. Were you aware of of longer form style of improv before um, lockdown? Yeah, I was on a long form course. When um, when lockdown hit, oh, okay. we, only, we only did about um, four or five weeks, I think, or maybe less than that, and it was going really well, you know. Because one of my problems, and um, especially with long form, is my memory. My memory right. isn't that quite good, but it's usually names, and I can get by now. Um, and sometimes, it's, it, I mean, Emma told me it's, it's okay. To forget, if you if you call somebody the wrong name, you, you can make a joke out of it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but that that's my only worry is my um is my my short form and long form memory. <laughs> and do you take advantage? I see a lot of people when I play online. A lot of people have notepads nearby. Do you take advantage of that at all? No, and I should. You know, you're absolutely right. I do have one now. But it's, um, I've just written down some of the games that, that we were playing um, last uh, night. Cool. And you, you know, I like, I like to get into it. What I enjoy is playing when we, you know, I can't remember half of the names of the games, yeah. even the one we played last night, um, something Olympics. Oh, uh, domestic Olympics. Domestic Olympics. Yeah. There you go. A great game. Loved it. Um, but I like to get into. I like to. I like to act. So then, ten minute things are brilliant for that, because all yeah. you do right from the beginning is just act. And you, I'm good at getting um, the mirroring, um, the yes and, and and being positive, going with anything. Yeah. And I like the idea. I like the solidarity in the, in, the, in the the whole community. People having each other's backs. I, lo I love that as well. So it's all I ideal for me, really. 
And do you have a preferred style? Because I know you're very good with puns and you're very good with, with short form. And you, you've told me that you enjoy this sort of this 10 minute style and this longer form. Yeah. Do you have a, a favorite? Uh, not really. I would say I do love it. And I'm glad that we did off the back wall um, in a workshop last night. I do love that and the 10 minute things. So I think it's the um, it's the actual acting. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll play um, a very definite character, but I seem to do that when we're live together. Right. It seems to be easy when, when I physically walk into that world and when we're online, we, we don't walk into the world and we're just here in front of the screen. Yeah. And, and I hate seeing myself. Even now I've turned self-view off. So all I can see is you. Okay. So because on stage that doesn't happen. Somebody doesn't run off with a mirror. Go look what you look like. You yeah, know? that's true. That's true. Oh my God. I thought I was Paul Newman, you know. <laughs> and I'm not. And you're happy you're happy to know that this is just a podcast, so uh, it's just audio. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Uh, so you mentioned the acting there, and you have yeah. a background in acting. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Uh, it was crazy. Um, I had some problems when I was younger, and I ended up, um, when I was um, 18 or 19, in a community centre doing a community art scheme, which was all kinds of art, um, printing, photography, and acting. And it was the first time that I felt safe amongst people right and it was great we a company called come in called cliffhanger theater company and they helped us devise a play a comedy which we took around pubs which was very successful so there was the feeling of safety and making friends and the um being sort of successful with what we were doing as well so we yeah. all them feelings it was great and after the, a while after that, I did a level course in theatre studies, and um, again, that was another safe place. And the teacher there filled in a form. I was pushed all the way. They filled in a form for drama school, and I ended up going to the drama school for the audition. Got in, and had three years there, which and then. <laughs> After show, I, I was never really an actor. I, I don't think. <laughs> I just like to pretend and and escape. Like I tried, I escape in the ten minute things. Right. And at the end, we we done the showcase, and I got an agent from it, and it was one of the top agents. Awesome. And I felt I felt bad because I was getting auditions more or less, um, maybe not every week, but certainly every fortnight, and sometimes two and three a week. And some of the, um, the other actors are like pulling their hair out. So you wonder, how are you getting all this stuff? <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, I don't know. I wasn't getting the jobs, but I was getting the interviews. You know? <laughs> and and, and I, met, I went for the film. I went to see the Hubbards, a big casting director in London. And um, for the part, which I didn't get, I wasn't right for. But then they phoned up and um, said, we're going to bike a script to you. Like I was a somebody, I was a nobody. <laughs> And this, I'm at the window waiting for this motorbike to arrive. And it was the film Enemy at the Gate. Don't know whether you've seen that. I've not seen it, but I've heard of it. It's a big film. Yeah. And I read the script 
and then went to meet him, Jacques Renaud, who was a French. He did Betty Blue. And again, again, <laughs> he was running late. So when I arrived there, it was lunchtime. So rather than make me wait, he said, come and have lunch with me. So all the other <laughs> actors are saying, how did you get to have lunch with, 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 with John Arnaud or Jacques Arnaud? And it just happened like. And then um, he said, go home. That was on a Thursday. And he said, stay by the phone because you, you need to be going to Germany. And um, I was penciled. And that never happened. I waited by the phone till the following Thursday. Right. And then in the end, he used after some Germany because the budget was, um, was no uh, good. You know? uh, budget restrictions. Always a pain. Yeah. <laughs> And the other big chance was um, Mrs. Joan of Arc. Oh, really? I, I, I met um, Luke Besson and all these other actors. It was, it was <laughs> actors, you know. Yeah. And they go, oh, you, how, how are you doing? And I go, I don't know. I don't they didn't get either job. They didn't get Joan of Arc. But I've done the bill three times. They like me. And the television series, police thing. Yeah. I've done Brookside. I've done um, Casualty. I've done a few films. And done, the rest was all um, lowbrow theatre. Right. You know, it's £250 a week, um, except for one. I'd done a number one tour of Mice and Men. Oh, cool. And that was it, really. Um, but there weren't enough. Done a few adverts. Um, but there weren't enough. It wasn't enough. Um, I wasn't getting enough. Work. I was getting tons of auditions, but not getting the work. And with the with the characters that you were auditioning for, were they like a big variety of styles, or were they quite similar? They're quite a, a variety, really. Um, but I went to this. There's a big um, auditioning casting place in London, and you go in, and there's a big, big, massive square room, and lots of people, little groups. Uh, and in the corner was all the chubby gentlemen. <laughs> and I thought, well, that, that's where I'm going to sit, isn't it? I'm <laughs> up with them, you know. Yeah. Um, and all the red-headed women were in another corner. So um, for television, it's, um, it's, it's horrible, really. You get the script through the post. I played a murderer. It was the main part. And it was, um, I thought it was quite good. It was a two-story about uh, some, someone who'd murdered a young woman. And when I got the job, I phoned the production company and said, can you give me some more um, information on this guy? You know, I'll do a bit of research. Yeah. And they called me back and said, we've spoken to the director. And he said, just do what you've done at the audition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's cool. That. Yeah. So I think it's great that you, as someone with uh, quite an extensive acting history, is happy to do improv because I know a lot of actors that... Yeah just do not like the idea of improv, do not like the idea of having to make stuff up and not have it there written for them. Yeah. Oh, well, at the, act, the drama school I went to, you would, get, you would be cast in something um, and then you, you would go away. When you went in rehearsals, you'd go off with the other characters, the other actors, and you would improvise outside the play. Ah. So, yeah, just to get a bit of background to the oh. character and things. Well, but again, cool. you knew your character. You knew you what you were like. You knew what, how you would talk. You knew what the scene would be about. Not like um, this improv. <laughs> yeah. And so, just bringing it back to improv, 
Yeah. You said when you first started and you were quite nervous playing off mm. the back wall and then Emma Bird brought you forward and you did a scene. Yeah. Was was there a moment at any point since you've been doing it where you had a scene and then you thought, wow, yeah, I get this. And this is this is definitely for me. Yeah, I think so. Um, I would arrive at the workshops and I would think always, almost always, I'm not in the mood for this. I don't, I don't think I can do this. I don't want to get up in front of these people. And what sorted that out every single time was the warm-up games. Yeah. You know, we get up and stand in a circle. Yeah. And, we do it all. and then, but once that's done, you sort of, Emma Baird gets your mindset onto what you're going to do for the rest of the evening, which, which is really good. But um, going back to your question, yeah, um, yeah, I think I like it when people respond to what you do. And in comedy, it, I've done some plays which have been very good and you get your response maybe a bit later on, maybe in a review. But in comedy, you get it immediately. Yeah. It's it's immediate throughout what you're doing. And if, you know, sometimes I'd drive home and I'd think, oh, well, um, I wasn't very funny tonight. But so-and-so was, you know. So you go home, I go to bed thinking of them. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes I go to bed thinking of something I've done, you know. Yeah. Have you ever had it where you've thought that you just weren't great for whatever reason you felt you weren't on form, you weren't being funny, other oh, people God, weren't yeah, getting a laugh. Yeah. But then have you had people sort of say to you, ah, oh, I loved that thing that you did tonight, or I loved that line, and then you were like, was I actually funny tonight? Because you've just doubted yourself, and but then actually other people have enjoyed it. It's never it's never happened on the, on, on the, on the same thing. But um, sometimes I've turned up to the workshops and people have come up to me and have said, um, really complimentary things so you kind of keep them and then when i doubt myself i kind of pull that back from my brain from my memory to um to help me as evidence that i'm not that as bad as i think i am yeah yeah and um there's a there's a real skill in improv as well and because it's not just about making people laugh but if if you're playing short film games and you can make people laugh it's great. And comparing yeah. that kind of comedy. So I, for example, tell people, oh, I do improv comedy. And they'll be like, oh, well, tell me a joke. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have to explain. No, it doesn't work like that. Mm. It's just spontaneity. You just react. Yeah. yeah. Because you don't know what, what's going You don't know what line you're going to come up. When I first started, I would have something in my head. Yeah. And I think, well, that's funny. So I'll, I'll look for where I can get it into the scene. And that's where I was going terribly wrong. Yeah. You know, so I don't do that anymore. I just I just go with the flow and see what happens. I, I think I was the same. And I think I think most people are at the start because yeah. when you turn up at any class, I think you just assume everyone here is really experienced and they all know yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. So you want to not stand out for not being good. Not just experience, everyone's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. They're they one of the best improvisers in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's me. <laughs> well, you know, and, and they're probably thinking the same, some of them as well. 
Yeah, I think everyone does think yeah. the same. And when you walk into a class, I know when I walked into my first LCI session, I just yeah. assumed everyone in that class had been doing it for ages. Yeah, yeah. And then there were other people turning up thinking the same thing about me. Yeah, absolutely. Where did you go? Did you go to the pilgrim? Or was it uh, just the fly in the loaf? I went to the fly in the loaf, but my very first LCI session was actually in Chester. Ah, right, yeah, that's yeah, right. Because there was uh, one a month in Chester, and I managed to get to one in Chester. I loved it so much. I signed up to one of Emma's sort of half a day courses. Yeah. Just beginners into improv. And then I started coming on the Monday nights to Liverpool, the Flying a Loaf. And then I was fortunate enough to do the show the night before lockdown. And I'd only been doing it, I think, for about six or seven weeks at that point. Yeah, that's what I remember. It, yeah. um, and I was, I was just blown away by how welcoming like the community was. Yeah, uh-huh. come on in, get involved. Yeah, come and do the show. It doesn't matter that you've only been doing it six or seven weeks. Yeah. Just come yeah. and do it and enjoy it. I chickened out of that one, to be honest. <laughs> I did. Um, yeah, when I first went the first night, I parked my car and um, I went on um, WhatsApp to me um, dog walking friends and said um, I can't go in. And they persuaded me to get out the car and go in. They said, they're not going to kill you. They're not going to beat you up. <laughs> you know, They're not going to scream at you to get out. So just go in. So I didn't have a book back since. So have you been in any scenes where you've just been stuck and you get a bit of a brain freeze? And yes. if so, how do you go about sort of getting out of that moment? Well, um, it, it, it hasn't happened since the live um, workshops. And my head would just go completely blank. And I, could, I couldn't think. Of anything, I was in one scene where we were in a factory um, making batteries, I think it was. And I just went completely blank. So, and the, it was almost a five person scene, and the other people just had me back, really, yeah. and got me through it. That's the thing about batteries, there's always a plus side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it can't be too negative. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's just uh, change things up a little bit. We'll play a little bit of word association. So I'll say something, and then I just want you to say the first thing that comes into your head based on what okay. I say. Okay. Um, puns. Laughter. Dogs. Lovely. Improv. Fantastic. Zoom. Great. 2020. Horrible. Accents. Oh, funny. <laughs> and off the wall. Brilliant. Cool. Uh, so let's just think about improv games. Mm. I know you, you've mentioned off the back wall as being a game that you like. What other games yeah. do you enjoy to play? I like that one um, on the news where you have two news readers. Oh and yeah, then, yeah. I like that. I like that one. I haven't been in news really yet, but I enjoy being um, the supporting witness or or whatever. Yeah. Um, I haven't played the alphabet game like yet, and I'd like to play that. And I like 
I like eight things. Do, do you remember eight things? We've we done that, the fly and the loaf. Oh, yeah, I remember, yeah. And you'd stand yeah, in the I middle like of the that. circle. Yeah, and I, and so someone would say superheroes. So you'd have to name eight. Yeah. And everybody goes, eight things. <laughs> I like that one. It's a good warm-up game. Yeah. So you really are a fan of the warm-up games. I think I am, yeah. Um, because it gets me in the mood and everybody's up when we when we do them so no one's sitting down or what i don't, what i can't do is talk to the audience i find that really difficult okay when we done them um, 168 plumbers going to a pub when we done that in the flying loaf i find it i found it really difficult yeah i found it easier on zoom to be honest yeah i think some games kind of lend themselves better to online improv somehow yeah yeah yeah, definitely. So let's just talk about life before improv. First of all, where are you from? Well, I'm from um, Liverpool. Um, I was born in Mill Road Hospital. Um, and I filmed there for the film for the BBC. I played a, um, a police sergeant. The hospital's Ooh. closed down now. So right. we got we made a, a makeshift police station in there. Um, yeah, and I spent, I think it was 18 years in, in London doing the acting thing. Um, and then came back to Liverpool in, in 2003 when I became un, unwell. And then spent a, a lot of time. You see, I do, I do care about people and I do care that people are finding it hard under lockdown now. Yeah, I do. I do. But really, there's something in my mind that says, look, I know a lot of people, including myself, who have been under lockdown for over a decade. You know, you, you just got to try and... Um... So do you want to talk a bit more about that and ex explain to the listeners what, what that's about? Yeah, I, I had a, a severe mental... I had a, something really bad happened that I, I don't go into. Um, I think I've had an illness all my life from, from my childhood, which wasn't diagnosed. I was in hospital a lot in the 70s. Um, right. And all I can get from that was blackouts. I used to have blackouts, but I think that was misdiagnosed. And then in 2003, I was um, something happened that brought all that back. I was, I was with the acting and the friendly places I'd found. Yeah. Uh, I was sort of, there were patches when I, I would abuse um, alcohol and things. Um, but there were those good times and something what happened in 2003 was everything back. Right. Uh, and I was, and I was then diagnosed with schizophrenia, um, with a sub sub diagnosis of paranoia. So what they call a, a paranoid schizophrenic, but I don't identify as that. I, I'm Michael right. and that's an illness that I have like yeah. cancer or, or, or anything else. Um, and like a lot of, of um, people with that diagnosis, it's very misunderstood. So yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I, I understand that. I understand it because the only time people would hear that somebody with schizophrenia is on the news when something terrible's happened. Yeah. You know? And that's very rare. It's very rare. Um, people think if you have schizophrenia, then one minute you'll be okay. 
and the next minute you'll be murderous <laughs> and that's total yeah. if that was the case then care in the community certainly wouldn't work with it people <laughs> like that would have to be locked up 24 7 yeah um, and then um, also a lot the fact is a lot more people with schizophrenia are themselves attacked rather than attack other people. If you yeah. think about it, if I turn around on a, on a bus and accuse somebody of following me or being the devil, yeah. say that to the wrong person, they kick your head in. You know? yeah. So there's always that. So, I mean, getting back to the point, um, a lot of people stay in the house. They don't go out. Yeah. Um, a, a psychiatrist once said to me, don't tell anybody you've got schizophrenia. Tell them you have bipolar because the two medications are quite similar. Right. And I, I, I just find that, uh, I find that offensive. Yeah. Really. Um, he's probably thinking of the way society views that illness. He's yeah. He's probably trying to help me in that way. But I'm quite stubborn, really. So I want to say that I'm Michael. I'm a good pit. Oh, I'm saying it. I'm a good. If you go into the ward, almost everyone with schizophrenia will tell you they're a good person. <laughs> I'm a good person. I am. I am yeah. a good person. Because they are, basically. Yeah. Just done well and, and, and delusional sometimes or, or paranoid. And so, do you think you you find a certain freedom through the, the improv comedy? Yeah, definitely. It, it's it's an escape. I um I have battles, or don't get me wrong, I have battles all the time, and it's called mind management. And I I manage my mind. You know, I'm yeah. on good medication, medication where I, I'm able to drive a, a car, so it doesn't knock me out. Some people yeah. are knocked out by the medication. I take that over night time. Um, uh, sorry, what, what was your question? Sorry. Uh, it was just about the, the the impact that improv can have on oh, your yes, life. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's well. First of all, I've got a dog, and then so I went from being isolated for nearly a decade. Yeah. Um, to getting a dog, making genuine friends in the park, um, amongst the dog walkers, and then and now improv. So it's given it's given me a little bit of a life. Yeah. You know, which is why I don't mind mentioning all this, because I would like just someone in a similar position who isn't leaving the house, who thinks that they shouldn't go out. Yeah. To to go and join. It doesn't have to be improv. It could be a a, a, a class, a painting class or something at the library, you know, and something they're interested in and give them the confidence to not consider themselves in, in my case a schizophrenic you know that they're, they're a person yeah. and schizophrenic like he wouldn't there's, there's there's no name for somebody to call somebody who has cancer or or anything but with, when you have schizophrenia you're called a schizophrenic yeah and it, um it's a, as i said it's a much understood understood um illness and i think people well, definitely, you, you do fear that, so you don't go out. You'd rather stay in, and you sometimes, you know, you have um, um, said maybe a um, 
um, a care assistant support worker yeah. who'll come around and do shopping for you and things like that. I think but so. yeah, improv has given me, improv and the dog walking has given me a life. I go every day two hours in the park and meet the same dog people to walk around yeah. with. Well, that's fun. cool. And I think slowly the world is changing and it's becoming a more accepting world of many things. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, there's still a long way to go. Yeah, it's, it's only because it's, it's only ever on the news or, or in the public domain when something horrible's happened. Yeah. Or someone's done something. My theory is people that commit violence who have schizophrenia, if they didn't have schizophrenia, I think they would commit that violence anyway on yeah, a Friday makes... night down the pub or yeah. a football match. There's plenty of them, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so away from improv comedy and dog walking, mm. what interests do you have? Television. You know. <laughs> I've got Box, I've got Netflix, and I have... Um, um, Oh, the Amazon. So it's that really. I'll get home. I'll go to supermarkets on the way home from the park. I'll get in. And the next time I go out will be the next day to go um, to walk my dog again. Um, yeah. But then the improv came along. And I had to go because all my clothes are doggified, you know, <laughs> ruined by walking the dog. So I had to yeah. go buy it. I call them the improv trainees. <laughs> so I've got a pair of trainees to go Monday night to the fly and the loafer and the, and the pilgrim. And it's um, so back to the improv then. Is there yeah. is there an improviser or a comedian out there that you think in, uh, influences your improv style in any way? Um, no, not um, not really. I really like um, Spike Milligan. Although it's a, he, he's when I watch him now, he, he's a bit, um, he's of a certain time. I don't think he'd get away with what he does, yeah. And um, these days, and I like Tim Vine because he's he's funny, you know, he's funny without being nasty. It's, it's, I find humor to be more enjoyable if it's rather clean, you know, yeah. And there's, there's a fella, a Scottish fella. I can't think of his name now. But he just bears into people on the front row and is very, very vulgar. Yeah. And I, I can't really enjoy that. There's a niceness. But, but the feeling you get from comedy, it, it, it's, it's like a, a shot of niceness for me. You know, so if, if the comedy is nice, then... Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a big fan of Tim Vine myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, he reminds me of Tommy Cooper, in a way. Yeah, I guess so. Or even funnier, I think. <laughs> I, I I like sort of pantomime humor in general as well. Sort of yeah. things that are can be taken a certain way, but you're just saying something that isn't a double double yeah, entendre. A double entendre. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like things like that because it is fun for the whole family because the situation is funny so children can laugh but adults yeah. can laugh because they can think of a deeper meaning. yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> and um what what have you learned from improv sort of over the last year that you didn't know about improv at the start that you that you can 
um, you can't step forward into a world that isn't there yet. You can take a step into it and um, depending on what you say or your seen partner says, that world starts to get created. Yeah. And I find in the 10 minute things, it's impossible um, in, in this. I don't have a character, but I found that when I sort of realize how the scene's going, the character kind of builds. Yeah. So it kind of develops throughout the 10 minutes. And then at the end, you have it. And hopefully, you have it. Um, <laughs> you have this spot on. I find when I'm doing the 10 minute scenes, because I'm always obsessed with having a pun to build to. Yeah, yeah. That I have to feel out the scene until I think, okay, there's the pun. I can, I can yeah. build to that. <laughs> I, I, I like writing the puns down more than I don't really fit them into the scenes. Uh, oh, um, no, that's rubbish. I have actually. I have. <laughs> it was the, the battery factory. There was lots of uh, lots of puns then. Um, but normally, normally it's I, I wanna. I want to do acting again. Yeah. And um, I think everybody that joins Liverpool Comedy Improv, improv thinks they're funny. They must <laughs> do. You yeah. know, in, in, even if it's a tiny bit in the back of the mind. Yeah. We all think we're funny. And and it's a way to, um, to expand it, to develop it, and to be creative with it, you know. Yeah. And I must say, I must say, Emma Baird creates a fantastic um, atmosphere. Oh, yeah, totally. Jobs, you know, and very safe talking about. I couldn't believe it when I went in and she went through the rules. <laughs> and one of them was, you know, you don't just go up and grab somebody and, talk, you know, and I think, brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> this, is my, yeah. this is good for me. Yeah. Yes, you know. Um, yeah. And I think environment, sorry, not atmosphere, environment. Environment. Yeah, very what's, safe environment. Something that's come from the pandemic as well is yeah. sort of so Emma Bird has been sort of constantly growing Liverpool Comedy yeah. Improv and yeah. like the different classes that are involved mm-hmm. now, the different um tutors that are on board and just classes available with amazing improvisers from all over the world, and that wouldn't be happening i don't think if we were just stuck in the normal world before the pandemic no well it wouldn't because the market wouldn't be there yeah it would actually be people that were coming along to the flying the boat whereas on zoom we've got access to people everywhere yeah every country you know oh it will definitely stay it's one of the good things to come out of lockdown is the improv online most definitely without a doubt so what do you think your improv future holds? I like to play. Um, and I, I, I like to do the courses where, where we can play, you know. Um, and I like to, I don't want to, I've got no real ambitions other than to join in and, and, and join in the um, the way it is being supportive um being creative i like to be creative uh but as for 
long-term ambitions, um, you know, I can't think of. I, I just take each day as it comes, yeah. really, you know. You're just in it for the fun. Yeah, that's it. I am, really. And it is interesting. There's loads to learn. Um, and I realise that now. It isn't just getting up and saying whatever you want and making it up. There are them little guidelines, you know, that the the yes and, that being supportive. I was in a scene once and in the pilgrim and the lad I was with held a pair of binoculars up so towards the audience, so I did. Yeah. And I, I said something about it being at the sea and, and maybe there's a whale or something. And he went, no, no, what are you talking about? That's the desert. <laughs> and I kind of, you know... It was. I'm glad you did because that was a kind of lesson for me. You yeah. know, like an example. Of, oh, don't do that. That's, you know. <laughs> so you've mentioned scenes that you've done online during lockdown. Yeah. Where can people find you on social media to see these scenes? Um, only on Facebook, really. I don't know how to go live. Um, so what I do is I record them, and Human has taught me how to get it from my computer to Facebook so I can record it and post it on Facebook later. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not going to do a YouTube channel. There's no ambitions like that. Um, I, li I like to, I kind of like to sort of stay in the background. Yeah. If you know what I mean. And then step forward and play. Yeah. I don't want to do a YouTube channel. Maybe you should, you know, and put the put the ten minute videos on there and things. But they're all there, I think. I think they all stay on Facebook somewhere. Yeah, if you've if you've done them on Facebook, they'll all be there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna say thank you very much, Michael, for this oh, interview a, today. It's been an absolute pleasure, Neil. It's uh, it's been great to chat with you. You've got a great story, and I'm sure everyone's gonna love uh, hearing all about it. Yeah, I just, I like just like I say that again. If anybody is constantly um, on lockdown and afraid to go off the house, to somehow find the courage to get out and to contact Emma Baird on Facebook, Liverpool Comedy Improv. You don't have to be good at improv at all. You, you would find yourself in a safe environment with some lovely people, all like-minded. Yeah, and those are great words to finish on. So I'm going to say thank you very much, and I'll say it's a goodbye from me, and it's a goodbye and from... From Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, Ian. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Wow. Well... Thank you so much to Michael for that fantastic interview. It was insightful, it was open, it was honest, and it was great to hear about his journey to Liverpool Comedy Improv. Now, if you are interested in getting into improv or are already involved in improv and want to try out a different improv scene, then all the info you need can be found at www.liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk. You can also check us out on Facebook by searching for Liverpool Comedy Improv and on Twitter and Instagram, we are at Live Comedy Improv. You can also find me, Ian Luke Jones, on Facebook, Instagram, 
Twitter and YouTube. My YouTube is ever growing with a motivational Monday video coming your way every Monday, a humorous moment video coming your way every Wednesday. Plus, I'm now starting to really uh, build a good portfolio of my improv on my YouTube channel, so check out that playlist as well. Plus, there's plenty of other things on my channel which uh, may tickle your taste buds. So there we go. That brings another fantastic episode to a close. But before we go, here are some words that are wise, wise, wise. Always remember, whatever the situation, to treat life like improv. And yes, and...